We're bringing it back. Josh Reed stops by and we talk about training. So first we talk about Josh's FKT successful attempt at Devil's Path. This is something he's been looking at uh, hitting for a while. So I was really excited for him. So I wanted to ask him a lot about that stuff. So we talk about that for like probably the first 10 minutes, but then the, the talk transitions <clears throat> pretty seamlessly into our topic, which is hydration. It is getting warmer out. We're coming around the summer months, uh, especially here in the Northeast. So it gets super swampy and or right around that time of the year. So it's important to start talking about hydration and how that is going to affect your training. So we talk about things like using electrolytes and balancing the amount of minerals you're taking in versus water, the implications, those implications that the electrolytes have when it comes to cramping and some techniques to potentially prevent cramping, some supplements that you can add in and uh, hydration and nutrition strategies during these longer runs and just a lot of uh, some anecdotal stuff, some, some scientific stuff. And we just talk hydration for the duration because that's important this time of year. Cool. So I hope that you get a good amount of content from this one that you can put into practice of your own training when it comes to drinking and taking in minerals. So here we go. We on. And they're off. All right. We've been, we've been doing a little troubleshooting here, but you're sounding great. I think I'm sounding great. Josh, you did something super, you did something super cool this week, right? I missed you last week. I was sad to not, I was sad to not be able to chat with you last week, but you did something like really cool. There was indeed a gap that uh, will never be filled again. The, the run that I did did not fill the gap of uh, the lacking of our, our interaction, Rich. But yes, indeed, I did have a, uh, a nice cool run. It was a nice cool 41 degrees. The real feel, according to Strava, was 39. But uh, yeah, man, went for, went for a long jaunt out in the mountains across the, the river from me that I get to look at every day and had a pretty gosh darn good time out there. I'm still sore from it. So this was a big, long effort uh, of an FKT attempt that you've had eyed up for a while now, right? Yeah, man. It's uh, like I didn't even start hiking the mountains around me until I was maybe like 21. Like I left, like went to California, went, did a bunch of stuff in the mountains, came back and realized, oh, I like mountains. So I'm going to go in these mountains that have been here before me for the past 20 something years and uh, and discovered a path called Devil's Path and did some research on it and uh, was like, holy crap, it's huge and magnificent and uh this guy did this time really fast i was like oh this is fun one day i'd like to do do it that fast so I mean, what are the logistics like what is it what are you up against with devil's path demons rock I mean, demons rock did you want to did you want to go after it just because it was called devil's path You're like i need this no but that was that's a it's a fun name right it's a pretty fun name really intimidating i think that draws a lot of people no doubt about it but like, um, I think the factor was like, it was just gnarly. There's rocks popping out everywhere and it's just, it's just tough and rugged. I was like, it's also 20 some miles, right? I, yeah, my watch got like 22. I, uh, I feel like all trails, I feel like all trails overshoots most things or just my Sunto undershoots everything. But it's yeah, like, like 22, 23, 24, depending on the watch you got and uh, like eight to 9,000 feet of gain. Okay, nice. But that, all right. but the, the terrain is just real shitty. Right. Yeah, that's actually something uh, really interesting. I was talking to Ben Nephew, the guy who held the record prior, and I even told him, I was like, man, it the, the terrain's kind of changed over the past uh, like four, four years, because I think I, the first time I did it was about four years ago, and it took like nine hours to do it um, my first time. But it's just all the traffic 
and all the attention that it's gotten. There are some areas that are a little more groomed. So I would definitely say that helps shave off a little bit of time. I, if it was still as rugged, I, I still would have beat his time, no doubt. But like that probably gave me an extra five minutes of speed mm. on it. And how long did it take you? Uh, I brought it down. The uh, I did it in four hours, 35 minutes, 57 wow. seconds. And his time was the, the previous FKT was four hours, 53 minutes, 44 seconds. So I was pretty stoked about that. I was pretty astonished. I like I, I couldn't believe my watch. I thought I messed up. That is like a really strong time for something with that type of elevation and that distance. I, I thought you were going to head out. I thought this was an effort that was like an all day effort. I mean, four plus hours is still basically an all day effort. You're probably not doing much before or after this thing. Um, but like, yeah, w- w- was what's that effort like? Like, what are you, where are you at in terms of like how hard that feels? The... I really enjoy that range. It's um, I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy like beast distance Spartans more. And there's kind of like this, this happy in between uh, getting into like the ultra distances where it's, you're not redlining, you know, your brain can work, you're, you're breathing, you can stay controlled and it becomes more of an effort of not just, I just need to go as hard as I can and hope the wheels don't fall off. Rather it's uh, like, okay, let me get into a rhythm and find the sweet, the sweet line of keeping breathing composed um, uh, really thinking strategy. Like there's a lot, there's just, you're out there for so long yet. It goes by so quick, but, um, but yeah, it's a pretty sweet spot. You know, you're not producing a whole lot of lactate. You're not the, you, you can bonk cause you're running out of uh glycogen or just, and just your, your muscles are getting beat up because of all of the, the descending. Cause yeah, I mean, it's eight and a half thousand feet of climbing. It's, I think it's 9,000 feet of descending cause you're actually, mm. uh, there's a super long descent at the end. So it's just, it's just beating the crap out of you. So I, I really enjoy that distance because, yeah, I can think. Uh, I can really just get in this meditative, that flow state. Did you, did, like, and with that, were you tracking where you were? Or were you just like, if I run and I, if I run at this feeling and I feels good, like, I should do well. Like, my fitness should carry me here if I find that sweet spot. Or did you have, like, checkpoints? You're like, all right, at 10K or something, I need to be here. Or was it just like, let's just go and see. Yeah, totally. So, uh, Ben, he's one of the cool guys. He's, uh, he's done a really good job and gotten a cool following, I think because of all of the like race reports that he's done and the after action reports. So he does, he does blogs and he put up his, his splits and talked about people who previously held the FKT. And so he put up all of his, his splits. So I knew it's like, okay, the, I need to be at the summit of Indian head, uh, 45 minutes, six seconds Mm. when he was there. And then twin, a twin mountain, the next mountain down was like one Oh five something. And then Sugarloaf was one thirty two, And then it's like, okay, I need to hit, I need to hit those splits to know that I'm on. And I did Mm. this, I did this in the past. Uh, I, I put out an effort in, uh, in fall, I think it was September 6th last year because I was feeling pretty fit, but I was far too fatigued. I had just done, I had done too much work going into it. Uh, I just got a little carried away. And, uh, and I also had ridden my bike like 27 miles from trailhead to the start because I didn't have a ride. So that fatigued my, that fatigued my quads a little it bit. It shouldn't be a problem. I'll just ride, you know, quick 27, <laughs> an FKT. It's like, yeah. turns out, well, you, know, you, you live been, and you learn. It would have been badass in my head, you know, like, like a truly fully unsupported, like I, like the circuit. I drop my car off. I ride my bike to the start. I run back to my car and then I go and pick my bike up. But I mean, that would have been a new, a new style. I thought it would have been a cool style, but it was still unsupported point to point. So, right. okay. so, so good enough. But yeah, I, uh, I had to go at it in September and 
I told myself, just, just hit the splits and we'll see what happens. And I was ahead of pace going into the first half. And I could just like feel on the first descent that my legs, like my quads had a little twinge in it that just were telling me, uh, this is weird. They like, they, I don't know if they can handle the impact, but I said, ah, screw, it. I'm just going to go until they, the wheels fall off. And they did. I, <laughs> I blew up at the halfway point. I just, uh, I started getting cramps in my quads and my, uh, in my adductors and going up the next hill, just like the heat started getting to me. My legs just were fatigued. And by the time I got to the fifth mountain, I was five minutes behind, and then it was just a death march. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even do the downhill well because my turnover wasn't there, and I just fell so far behind. And I ended up finishing in five eighteen, and it was just absolutely miserable. It was like this the, the one with the bike ride. This, this is the one with the bike ride. Yeah, but like in doing that attempt, like I learned the splits. I learned what it felt like. Uh, it was yeah, it was a good crash trial run, and it gave me all like the data that I needed to hit this one. Uh, well, flawlessly, everything went, everything went flawless. Like there's spots on the trail where you can take wrong turns. There's a couple of springs. There's certain sections where there's like a lemon squeeze where you might accidentally like go to the left. And it's like, Oh no, I have to turn around 20 feet and go through that crack or else it's a 20 foot drop off, you know, little things like that. So there's a lot of value to like scouting a trail before you hit it for speed. I could imagine if something like that, where it's not just like a a track or like a road race or something. And like, when we talked to, when we were texting back and forth, you rattled off like two or three things that you were like, that really made the difference for you. Um, what were those? Like you, some of was like flexibility in being able to go after an attempt like this and just being prepared. But what, what were the, what were the, some of the things that you were like, oh, okay, this is why this went so much better this time, man. I, uh, yeah, it, it went so much better this time for, for definitely several reasons. Um, I think that the biggest thing I had in my pocket was just the ability to be flexible since there there's no races happening around. So I'm not, I'm not like taking my, my a race. I'm not planning for, you know, I wasn't planning for big bear and then having to backtrack, you know, six weeks and plan myself to like perform really well there. I just kind of brought myself up to a good level of fitness. And then I knew that I wanted to go after devil's path this month. I just mm-hmm. kind of gave myself like a two week span and I was really just going to hit it when the weather was best. And, uh, and I saw a good day. It happened to be this past Monday, which was awesome. Cause I like, I didn't want to go on a weekend cause weekends get pretty crowded up there. Right. But, uh, and like dogs and stuff, they see me running fast. Like, Oh, I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> on leashes. If you're yeah. on the trail, put your freaking dog on a leash. Yeah. Okay? I, feel, I feel bad. Cause like dogs are wild animals and they're awesome. You know, I get it. They're like wild creatures, but yeah, it's just the, the instincts kick in when they see something moving quick. You know, your dog might be nice. It might be the greatest dog ever. <laughs> but I don't know your dog. Not yeah. just know your dog. Yeah. That dog doesn't know us. Did I tell you this story? Put on I, was, a leash. I was doing a, tr- uh, a run on devil's path last year and I was, I was cooking. I was doing like a hard run and I come up over this peak uh, to a lookout and all of a sudden I'm just dogs right in front of me. The owners had the dogs next to them and they just two uh, little terriers. They weren't big dogs, but they both sprinted at me, like ran up my leg. Dude, they, <laughs> tag, they tag teamed me and one of them just bit onto my form and put two holes in my form. It bit you? Said, yeah, yeah, and jumped down. I was like, holy, it happened so quick. I was like, holy shit. And like the heat and exhaustion was getting to me. I was just in a total daze and the owners go, oh my gosh, no, no, bad boy, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'm a bad boy. Uh, and and they, they get their dogs under control. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. They're such good dogs. I'm like, dude, that's what everyone says. Everyone thinks they have a good dog. I get it. Your dog is a great dog for you. You're the companion. But like you're out in a place where everyone else is, is an enemy. They're trying to protect you. And I get it. Yeah. And that's great. But like out there, it's, it'd be nice if you kept them on, on leashes and, you know. 
in areas where that can happen. So anyway. Yeah, so, so if you're listening and you're one of those people that bring your dogs out on the trail and just let them go because they're a good dog, mm-hmm. stop doing that. Stop it. I love your dog. Stop I love it. your dog, but it's I've had a lot of experiences that show that probably a good 10% of the time that I have an interaction with the dog, they get really aggressive. And uh, they probably, see you scare oh, them. Alpha. Yeah, they see me and they're all like, oh, this dude's alpha. I got to beat him. Gotta we got to take this guy down. He's definitely going to hurt my owner. Uh, I'm not. I love all of you guys. Um, so I digress. So I, uh, so yeah, where, where was that? Doing training rounds? Uh, you were flexible in getting and in, in hitting the nice day. So you got it done on a Monday and that was a big part of it. Like that the weather was, was, uh, cooperated and there wasn't many people on the path. What were some of the other things that you, you did? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The, the weather was perfect, man. I was like, it was 41 degrees and overcast. It actually started snowing when I was on top of the second peak. And nice. I thought, well, as long as it doesn't snow too hard, like it shouldn't get the rocks super slick. Uh, and it, it didn't, it just ended up being perfect. It was nice and cool. Humidity was up, but like, it was just so cool out that I was able to keep my, uh, my body temperature low, which is like super duper important because when a huge limiter in performance is when you overheat, like blood mm-hmm. gets shunted away from some of the working muscles and it gets taken to the surface and it flows through the core. It's trying to cool you off. So your body kind of shifts function more from performance to like survival mm-hmm. and, and trying to stay cool. And there is a, there's a, a time frame of acclimation, uh, that, needs to be done when it comes to heat so if it got too warm you, you kind of need a, a set amount of time to acclimate to that heat so if it just hit you out of nowhere it probably wouldn't have gone well yeah totally i mean that's something that happens um there's kind of a there's kind of a cool relationship between things that happen during like a, a long event and also that happened heat and that's like the the loss of water you know and like effects on blood volume so uh, something that I, I was able to like get really good practice on my like nutrition and hydration strategy during this. And that just kind of, I ended up nailing that. I took my, as if, as if like the real feel of 39 degrees wasn't cool enough. And I was like, I was shirtless. Uh, I just run hot. I put my bottles all in the freezer uh, the morning up and let them get nice and icy. So when I got to the trailhead and like, I put them in my belt, I could feel like it was, it was really cold on my stomach and my back. Cause I had a, a, a low naked belt. It's a pretty cool belt. Uh, and that also helped keep the core temperature down. And then I just sipped all the time. I mean, every like 15, 20 minutes towards the end, even, uh, more frequently, like every five minutes, just a tiny little sip, just a little hmm. something to wet the whistle, uh, just really consistent, not overbearing at any point in time. You know, I just like always had a, a handheld in my hand. It was just super convenient to just take a little sip, keep going, take a little sip, keep going. And that's good for the morale too. If you never have like super dry mouth. And it's something to like look forward to when you're on, uh, about that long they're like okay just like five more minutes and i get a sip of water and and that's good to go um so there there seems to be hydration's tricky because it's come a long way it used to be like it's a matter of will you don't really need water and then it flipped all the way the other way it's like you need to drink as much water as you possibly can and then people start getting sick and and even dying from drinking too much water and not replacing the salt. Um, it's called hyper hypernatremia. Yeah. And now it's kind of like in this camp of, should you ha- drink to a plan or should you drink to thirst? Because there is both sides of that. So when you went into that, were you like, I want, I'm going to do it this way. And how did you figure out what you wanted to do? Or, or, or was it more of a plan or was it to thirst? Uh, it was definitely both. Um, I definitely went in with the plan knowing that because having done it before I had a good idea of how much water I was going to want to drink. Cause I've done it in different temperatures. And like when I've done it, when it's hot, 
I mean, I'm drinking a gallon for sure at the minimum before it's all over. Like I'll hang out at a spring and I'll just chug water and I just can't seem to catch up. So it was, that's why it was really imperative to go and hit it in, in cool weather, but leading into it, definitely uh, prehydration. I never skimp on the salt. Uh, this past week I didn't skimp on carbohydrates as I was doing easy, but high, higher volume, uh, some long bike rides, some long runs. And, uh, and that helps with the hydration process as well. But going into the uh, run, actually one of my favorite things, it's it's kind of funny. I love V8 juice. Like tomato juice, vegetable juice is awesome. The actual, like there's like V8, which is tomato juice. And they, I remember they made V8 splash because I didn't V8 like splash. the V8. Yeah, the V8 <laughs> yeah. tomato juice is disgusting. And I don't know why anybody you. would drink that. And then the V8 splash, that's actually fruit. It's a fruit juice. And it's delicious. Probably all sorts of sugar in there. So, did it's you like a Bloody Mary? Drink? Come on. Yeah, I don't know. It just you drink them too slow. When I'm drinking in the morning, I want to drink fast. So I don't want to drink a Bloody Mary. It's too slow. Um, w- wait. So you brought V8 with you? Yeah, yeah. I had I had three soft flasks. I had two handhelds, and then I had a, a like two 17 ounce handhelds, and then a 16 ounce soft flask uh, just on my on my back pouch, and uh, and that had so that was two cups of V8 juice, which was only 90 calories. I was just but, gonna say, what are the nutritional uh, um, facts on um, tomato juice? I don't, I've never really looked at it. There's not a lot in there. I love it because of the, I just love the taste, honestly, and it's one of those weird things where like it tastes good even if it gets warm, so that's a plus. But uh, but it's super salty. Is it salty? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, and I I run through a lot of salt. I might run through a little more salt than most people probably, just because I typically take in less carbohydrates. Uh, that might be one of the things, or just family habits. I don't know. My dad always used a bunch of salt on stuff. So, uh, so yeah, I'm a salty dog, and it's got a lot of salt in it. It's got potassium in it, and those two things like to work together as electrolytes. And it has like vitamin C and vitamin A, but I don't think those have an effect on performance to my to my knowledge. But it's uh, it's yeah, it's a really high amount of salt. And I don't, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it's, I'm looking at it, it now. It's uh, 640 milligrams per eight ounces. So it's salty. It's not like over the top. It's not going to like be a gut bomb, but it, it'll be good enough salt. Yeah. And then again, like taking that in as a trickle, like I would grab it every once in a while. I would kind of cycle through all my bottles. Uh, I had one bottle of just water. I had one bottle with uh, five grams of creatine and seven grams of branched chain amino acids. And then I had that 16 ounce bottle of uh, tomato juice. And then I had a, I had another thing I had, I had a half cup of maple syrup. That was actually my, uh, I think that was the money right there, the half cup of maple syrup. And I actually took a handful, a handful, I took a tablespoon, a teaspoon. Oh my God. A tablespoon would kill me. Uh, a teaspoon of Himalayan salt, sea salt, mm. put it in with the maple syrup, added a little bit of water to like lower the viscosity. And again, I would just like take that and add, like every 30, 40 minutes, I just take a sip of it. So I was just kind of trickling through all things. So it's like every once in a while, make sure I'm getting in some aminos. Every once in a while, make sure I'm getting in some salt. Every once in a while, make sure I'm getting in some uh, some sugar. And the maple syrup's awesome because it's like, it's again, it's super mineral rich. Plus I put more salt in it. And it's just, it does the gut typically really well for most people because it has that low osmolality. It doesn't pull a lot of water into the gut, which is where like some of those GI issues seem to come from. So there's yeah, and that's, a strategy. And that was your primary source of carbohydrates was the syrup did you not have like gels or goos with you i had i was gonna go pure maple syrup and uh, i pretty much did but there was one like hammer nutrition gel huckleberry something uh or, or like montana huckberry i don't know it was, it was pretty good actually but uh i just brought that as a backup and i did end up taking that in at the end but the majority of my calories was from the maple syrup um i had that's a lot yeah, I had like 420 calories from the maple syrup because it was 103 grams of sugar, 103 grams of sugar. Yeah. So it pretty much I got like 20 grams of sugar 
uh, every like 40 minutes or so. That, which is what you would typically see the recommendation be. Yeah, yeah totally. Which is about a, a typical goo. Yeah. yeah. So when you, so you're taking the maple syrup and, and let's talk about the, the, the glucose part again. You mentioned that about being helpful for hydration because as glucose does enter the muscle, it pulls water with it as well. I, I believe it's a three to one ratio. Like there's more water that comes in than a, a molecule of glucose. I'm not exactly sure. And that's actually why training for strength, like the hypertrophy training, like if you do deplete that and then you, um, in that like eight to 20 rep range, like when it, ref, when you refuel with carbohydrates, it pulls water and makes the muscle expand. That's why you get yoked in that eight to 12 rep range, but also helps for hydration as well. So did you, was that systematic for you or, or, um, and it sounds like you did have an, I, you did want to take in carbohydrates with the, the running as, as well. Um, but did you use that? Cause I know typically you're fairly low carb. Did you bring in carbohydrates closer to the race day for energy Absolutely, storage 100%. and also so, for hydration? Like, when, when I look at fat and carbohydrates, as far as like which one I want to use more during my training, there's, uh, you know, you have your, like your adaptation and then optimization. So, uh, low carb, higher fat can lead to good adaptations for endurance athletes. But when it comes to actually performing it, you do want to take in carbohydrates because they're going to help you optimize your performance. You'll won't use as many of those carbohydrates, but those carbohydrates will absolutely help fuel you to a, a higher level. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like you're upgrading your, your gasoline, you're putting in premium, Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a really efficient car, you've been just using regular fuel, and then on race day, like the nitrous cans goes in, and the car's like, "Oh shit! Oh my god, nitrous!" That's a good analogy. Yeah, was, I'm not not a car guy, so I was like, I don't know, unleaded to premium. I but, remember but, the Fast and the Furious. Remember? I know you've seen the Fast and the Furious movie, so that's a solid reference. I've, I, I I skipped all of them. I saw the first one. I don't think I saw. I missed Tokyo Drift. But uh, and fast seven or whatever we're at. Um, so yeah, so okay, so the glucose, so the glucose, the carbohydrates that comes in to help with the actual performance piece. And how did you come up with the fifteen to twenty minutes of just like sipping on stuff? Well, from something that I've recognized in the past is if you go, it's better to like stay ahead of the game. And to a degree, this is kind of takes experimentation with everyone. But ultimately, the more you can take in and get away with it and not have uh, you know stomach issues then the, the better off you're probably going to be. So I figured I know for a fact I'll be good at, at an hour, but that might be too long. And I might have gone too much into a depleted state. So I just wanted to stay on top of having glucose flowing in my bloodstream. So I decided to just get a little bit ahead of the game. So yeah, every 20, 30 minutes, I was taking a sip of that, uh, that maple syrup. And I was taking that in conjunction with my amino acids because – also, I don't really know if uh, glucose and aminos compete in the bloodstream to be pulled into cells and be used as fuel, but the aminos, the branched chain amino acids, do serve that function as uh, being available for fuel for the muscles to produce ATP, right, through gluconeogenesis, and they're also there flowing through my brain, potentially helping with my cognitive function, which is super imperative uh, in any performance, especially when it comes to a task that takes very quick reflexes, hopping on rocks. Uh, you know, tasks, obstacle course racing, that kind of good stuff. Yeah. And the branch chain amino acids is interesting when it comes to a longer event or if you are training with lower carbohydrates, because um, the way I understand them is that essentially it's, it's protein sparing, it's muscle sparing. So it won't take the, it won't produce the ATP, uh, aid in ATP function from the muscle source itself and from 
the protein. Um, and the BCAAs kind of act as like a stop gap there more or less. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're there to, to help keep you from having to like pull from muscle cells to, to like break down protein into amino acids to be used. So you're uh, yeah, you're saving your body of labor of having to like reduce aminos in the instance that aminos need to be available. And it's an interesting thing. It's almost one of those things like it doesn't hurt because I actually don't know what the digestive process would be like with uh, branch chain amino acids to, I, I actually have never looked into that. Like I know like when you're eating, when you're taking in minerals such as sodium, uh, potassium, and, and you're taking in sugars and carbohydrates that there is, uh, like you can kind of get backed up, especially if you don't have the right ratio within the gut that the water won't get, that those uh, resources won't get pulled from the gut if th that ratio is improper. And that's kind of why it'll just sit there and that'll be like particularly your gut bomb. I don't know what that's like for branched chain amino acids. Can you speak to that at all? Got you. Will, will that, will that more assimilate? Will that, does it go through the same digestive process or does that, can it kind of, I mean, I'd imagine, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the actual, the, the, how the process might differentiate from a more like complete protein or, uh, or how like the reverse operation might work. Like in rather than, uh, taking aminos and, uh, or a protein source and it being digested and pulled into the bloodstream versus your body, like finding, uh, endogenous protein sources and breaking those down and pull them into the bloodstream. I'm not really sure, uh, what the, where the difference would be, but it kind of seems intuitive to me that it makes more sense that it would be less, uh, less work for the body to just like take a simple amino coming in, which is already like the broken down form of the protein and like in a super easily digested, uh, digestible form. Cause typically it's a very fine powder. You would just think that that would, it, it'd be easier for the body to assimilate that. And I kind of agree. Cause it feels easier. Like just from a practice, like is a practical standpoint, just anecdotal, like feeling from an experience, like when you're drinking something that's salty, you feel the salt. It, it, there's like weight to it. And even something like a syrup or something, or like a goo, like there's weight there. And like, it, you can kind of feel it all the way through your system with BCAAs. It's like, it's almost like water. Like it really, it, it, it doesn't. So I don't know, I guess that would be my main concern with adding, with having something like BCAAs, having something like, and when you're taking in that sodium, um, magnesium, potassium and, and glucose, like, having all those compete in the actual gut not necessarily in the energy like I, I would imagine the energy system would take care of itself if you had everything there and like it would prioritize what it has and having the bcaas as uh, like a backup to the carbs i would imagine is just money in the bank but i don't know how that would work in the gut but did you find any anything like that like do you like do you get gut issues like do you feel sloshing around when you're training at these longer events so I haven't really had, I haven't really had too many gut issues. So actually I'm basing the fact that I take in a little amount is based off of what a lot of other people seem to be taking in. So I'm actually kind of slowly increasing what I'm, what I'm taking in. Um, at least during races, during like, there have been really long training runs where my goal is to just spend time on feet and I'll, I'll eat plenty. Uh, I'll eat like hard food, cliff bars and stuff. Uh, like the protein ones where it's more protein and less carbs just because I like those and they work for me. Do that insoluble fiber. Can't do it, son. Mm. Not doing it. Uh, but during during races, in which I consider this a race, obviously was like that was a hot. That was more calories than I would typically take. Because ultimately, you want to be able to take in as much energy as you can handle, and that's really where you have to play around and figure it out. Like the literature that's out there, and, and like the recommended um, intake is like really high. It's like a lot more than you would think. It's definitely not a thousand calories an hour, like the people you talked about before. But it is, um, it is more than you would think. It ends up being like two or three goos based on your body, your body weight. It ends up being like 
200 to 300 calories they say like and and of typical like carbohydrates so yeah somewhere up into like maybe uh like a gram per i forget what the actual number is but it ends up being somewhere like maybe a third a, a gram for a third of like your body weight or something like that per hour something something along those lines it's more than you would think what do you what do you do for nutrition are you a goo guy um i really like morton i think that is the best i think it's like but it's so expensive that I only use it for like racing because it is just so good. A goo is just, I can stomach pretty much anything, but like the goos, they like kind of linger in my mouth and taste gross. I don't really like that. I've liked, um, honey stingers. I use the Huma gels, which is more just whole food based. They say chia and stuff, right? Yeah. Chia and everything in there. Um, and tailwind I like too. I like to have it. Like I used to not want to carry water bottles around. I, cause for me, I need to have, I need to drink to a plan more or less, just because I won't feel thirsty. I never get thirsty on runs. So if it was to drink to thirst, like I end up getting to the point, like how you mentioned, where if I just made my way to a water fountain, I'd be so thirsty uh, by the end of the run, I would just sit there and just like camp out because I would, I wouldn't drink because I felt that way. But I also sweat a lot. I sweat a lot, a lot, a lot, but not salty, which is interesting. You know, like I won't have like salt crystals on like my face after a run or, or anything of that. Do you, do you, do you, yeah. Do you just taste salty? I am a crystal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Billy crystal at the end of my run, man. (laughs) And I mean, and these are important things too. And, and this is what is so hard about hydration and hydration recommendations is that it is so personalized based on, uh, your sweat rate and and the saltiness of that as well. And also how much you can stomach. Like for nutrition, it's almost like, here's what literature says, here's undershoot here. Like this is probably what you're going to be burning based off of uh, just thermogenics. And like, this is what you should take in. Like, and then, the, and then we'll just try to find the ceiling for how much you can take in. Kind of like you were saying, like, okay, let's raise it for the, for a race. But hydration, man, there's really nothing like that. Um, like there, I know there is some sort of formula for, if you weigh yourself before, like this is more for sweat rate, like weigh mm-hmm. yourself before you run, weigh yourself after you run and then drink like a liter per every pound that you um, lost. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty spot on. I is that what it is? Because I, I, like, I'm not one, I don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's right I, about I, there. And it's, dude, it's crazy. Like if you lost six pounds, you're supposed to drink three liters, which by the way, like if you, if you finish a race and you're down six pounds, do not just go chug three liters of water. You should really start to focus on like, slowly trickling all that back in with electrolytes Mm -hmm. or else you Mm -hmm. will you'll deplete yourself even further and dilute dilute your body of electrolytes likely you'll start peeing lots you'll just start peeing lots lots. dude i will lose i will lose like 10 pounds on a run is that your record or is that like something you always do i will lose eight i will lose eight pounds (laughs) regularly in the summer i'm serious on a long run i will lose i i think i sweat more than anybody you've ever met I don't know. I've, I don't know all the people you've met, but I would, I would, anybody that anybody, I'm going to make you a trophy. I would, I'll, I'll just like a sweaty man. It's like a pig, like a pig on top. Dude, um, if sweat transplants were a thing, you'd be rich. I would have a lot to donate. O positive sweat. I stay rich, bro. Don't, don't, don't think I'll, I'm always going to be rich, nice but, um, but yeah. So for me, I, I know my sweat rate is really high, but the, the saltiness is, is fairly low. Um, and it's also, uh, and I live, we live in humid climates. It's really hot in the summertime. So our, our rate of, of sweat um, is high and it does not evaporate. So um, I do sweat considerable amounts, 
but I've played around with the sodium levels and, and what I want in my actual uh, hydration. And this is that for the first time I ever did that was this past year when I was doing training for like the 50k ultra trying to really dial in that, that sodium intake. And I uh, use this product called precision. Uh, I want to say precision nutrition because that's the, the cert, but it's not, it's precision hydration. And, mm-hmm. and they have a test on there where you can go and it will be, you can answer all these questions about your sweat rate, about what happens and like, about like if you are a uh, crystal after or, or how it tastes or how, what your sweat rate is like. And then it will kind of prescribe these little packets for you um, and how much, and then how, when to drink these like salty packets, essentially it's just a way to different packets or just like, they tell you you should drink this many packets at this time based on your answers. They have both. So they do have separate packets. Yeah. And, and they'd be like, okay, for, for optimum, uh, electrolyte intake, drink it, drink this the night before the morning of, and then have this, this packet as your solution for your actual run. Um, I found it to be incredibly too salty, like ridiculous, ridiculously salty like my lips would be like you know how when you eat something really salty, like you kind of get like pruned on your lips kind of have you had the liquid iv that they were giving out at uh i think i think maybe they're still partnered with spartan they're the blue and white packs no uh those are wicked salty but i I love them because i love salt but yeah they're just like a lemon pouch with over for most people probably overbearing salt but how much like how much do you know like because when we talk about milligrams with, with sodium i think when you start getting into like 1500 to 2000 like that's really on the high end and if you are a person who is going to want to be meticulous about their sodium intake i think like coming up toward a gram like we talked about the 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 v8 having about almost 700 and that feeling pretty salty for you um so i think like a thousand is probably like a pretty good place so if you're looking at like packets of stuff like a thousand is going to be a pretty salty solution nice yeah yeah. And that's, and you said those liquid IVs, that's a drink. It's not an actual IV. It's not an actual IV. Nah. I, uh, it's uh yeah, it's a little powder mix. And like, I love lemonade. So shit, they're, exp- they're expensive. I don't buy them because they're, they're too expensive, but when they're handing them out for free at the end of the sparring races, I'm all over them. Yeah, they, they are salty and they, they do me very well. Yeah. And that's, that's something that along the lines of, um, cramping and and people want to use salt and and electrolytes as a a remedy for this for cramping um what have you found like when you get into those those moments of of cramping do you find that taking in like salt like do you have like a salt tablet with you or do you have um or consistently taking in like the v8 does that help or what's your stance on that yeah uh for in my experience uh, i have cramped and salt has helped with the the situation all but one time and i think that one time i actually did take too much salt so (laughs) i think i crossed a barrier there i can't be certain but i do think that i took too much salt and like was uh, it your gut or what happened no my gut felt felt pretty good um I, i just i felt incredibly salty it was at the end of a 50k you know like four hours in a few miles left to go. And I'm trying to give it the last hurrah. And uh, the muscles are like, Nope, Nope. This is as fast as we can go. And they started cramping up and uh, I tried taking in more salt and it just, it didn't feel right. It just didn't, it just didn't feel right. And I kind of, I think I was a little out of my head at that point. And when I kind of did like a self check, I thought, man, I'm, I'm feeling pretty salty right now. Is that because I took in too much salt or have I lost too much salt? It's uh, it was hard for me to say there, but based on the, on most of my experience, I have had salt 
seemingly be more beneficial. Well, it's, but it's interesting because there's there's multiple things that have an effect on your muscle function, like uh, like magnesium and calcium uh, and, and other electrolytes that have to do with like the relaxing and the and this like the sliding of the of the filaments, you know, of the of your muscle fibers. So it's not just sodium. It's like there's more complete like electrolyte packages that you can take that. But like salt, I don't, I, I, there's, a, there's a name for it. It's so like when salt touches your, your tongue, literally you can just take a salt tablet and it can be more effective to just pour it on your tongue than ingest it. Cause there's like a signal that goes to your brain that says, Oh, we have this now. Mm-hmm. And like, the thing is, is electrolytes, like it's in the name, electricity, like positive and negative ions. These things help transmit electric signals from your, your, like your brain to your muscles to help them function. So that's why, you know, sometimes just tasting something salty can actually help relieve a cramp can like make it make it click because it, it could just be one of those things where your body is starting to shut you down because it's in it's feeling like it is in danger where it might not like the, the, the central governor type of theory where it's like okay we are in the the danger zone of what we're not where we might not be but you might have adequate salt but just even tasting it might again send that signal i think that's what those the, that product hot shot does as well have you seen that they're like it, it's literally like a vial um that you drink and it's supposed to alleviate cramping but it's the same deal it's like a spicy solution and there's some nerve hmm. that it's supposed to um stimulate that shoots to your brain to, to, shut, to shut it down um which I do find interesting. Like, so you're saying I should add Tabasco sauce to my V8 and make it even more Bloody Mary-like. Make it just like a lots of horseradish in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's kind of like the, the idea behind that, right? So, and and that's the thing, like you were eating enough salt, you felt salty. And for me, I get it in my gut, like that precision nutrition, uh, uh, hydration stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just so much, like I could feel it in my stomach just sitting there. Um, and it's like, and that's, I think t- tailwind is pretty salty as well. I mean, it's, a, that's an all, uh, in- inclusive solution where it's like carbohydrate and, and, um, electrolyte. So I think people can kind of get overly salted with that if they're, if, if they, um, are, are drinking too much of it, but that's an interesting point when it comes to the cramping. So it might not actually even be the amount of salt, but just the signal that your brain is getting that it's, a, it's okay. <laughs> it can, you can function talking about brain brain signals so the uh so the amino acids this is a cool thing that i I was reading earlier the the way the amino acids might actually reduce rate of perceived exertion is that they compete with tryptophan free free flowing tryptophan and tryptophan has a uh, relationship with the release of serotonin and serotonin will actually make you feel more tired Mm. and fatigue you during a run so it's the turkey the stuff that's in turkey right indubitably it is mm-hmm. it's is. getting tired man yeah Tricky so if, if you got a, if you got amino acids in the system to uh to, to compete with that and kind of take the place of that that tryptophan you can kind of put off that reaction that seemingly based on some of these studies say can influence the feeling of fatigue that's so that's cool. yeah that's really really cool and that's and these are things that are harder to quantify. Like I like nutrition just because it's like, do this and do this and do this. And then there's your energy. There you go. But these little things like these competing pathways and the signal you're sending from your brain, stuff that we don't really know yet. Right. And there's hard, they're hard to measure on that. It's like, well, I, I, I took these uh, amino acids and nothing happened. It's like, well, it, nothing happened, but it also probably, it could have deterred 
the fatigue from happening. So you might not get that like energy boost that you would get from eating a goo or um, taking a shot of coffee or something during, during a run. Um, but there are things that might happen that are going to you know, mitigate the effects of fatigue or having that central governor come in and kind of like creating chaos so that you slow down. Um, that's, that's really good. That, cause, cause that's the thing with, when people want to add salt, they want salt sticks, they want um, mustard packets. Uh, and a lot of times it's like, oh, I cramped racing at Palmerton. It's like, okay, like, well, what was your training? Like, oh, it's, you know, like 25 to 30 miles a week. And and then they cramp during these longer races or at Vernon. And it's like, I typically think it's a training thing rather than a, a nutrition thing, typically. Um, what are your thoughts? Agreed. I, I agree. I've seen some pretty convincing uh, studies on that. And it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're asking your body to, to, to do a power output that it just, it absolutely can't sustain. I mean, here's a good example. Okay. I think that this is common enough where everyone can experiment with this at their home, like right now. Okay. Take your knee, lift it up as high as you possibly can. Okay. And really engage your psoas. See if that thing starts spasming out. It very well might. I've had a lot of people in classes that I've, that I've worked with start to get cramps and like, oh, and, you know, they give it like a little punch in the hip to try and get it to release and, and chill out. And it's because you're just asking it to do something like you haven't before. And that's what happens in these races. It's like if you haven't put in training that properly simulates a, a race effort once in a while, it's just going to be so new and fresh to your, your body. It's like, I don't I don't know what to do here. I'm freaking out. Right. And, and people want those electrolytes to help it not freak out. But if it's not trained, it's still not going to know. Um, whereas, and so I think that that's where the disconnect is with electrolytes where electrolytes are really important to balance your, your, all of your function, you know, like you're just, like you said that your electrical function within your body and, and you're going to be high, you're going to need to hydrate, um, to sustain any type of effort on a hot day, but you can't deplete those electrolytes and not necessarily because of cramping, but just because, you just don't want to die. <laughs> like it, like it will be really harmful for you. And that's what happens when people um, slip into that hypernatremia and they're just drinking water and water and water. And they're just depleting themselves of, of the, their electrolytes. They don't cramp. They're not cramping and they're not preventing cramping. They're just not properly balanced. Um, so I think that's more where the electrolytes kind of come into play just to help with proper hydration rather totally. than um, uh, trying to uh, mitigate cramping. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, the like the, so the electrolytes do play a role in like the electrical signaling, but then like the, the hydration goes along with it. Cause here's the thing. If you, uh, yeah, you might think that water conducts electricity. I, I think it's a distilled water does not right. Mineral water does. You need to have minerals. You need to have these electrolytes in your bloodstream to help properly. And well, in your body, I mean, there's, you know, geez, we're so, there's so much water. It's in our muscle fibers, the fascia, your bloodstream. It's all, there's water in all of our, in all of our body. And it's helping the transmission of signals to elicit certain bodily functions. So hydration, electrolytes, they definitely go hand in hand to, uh, to keep you functionally, I mean, to keep you healthy and functioning at an optimal level. Here's a, here's a, a cool thing. If, uh, if you're not, if people listening are on the hydration band uh, yet, when you get into a, uh, I got here, it's, if you get into a 1% decrease in body mass. So, you know, Rich, what, what's your weight? 160, 170? Yeah, like 165. Right on. All right. So, so you lose one, uh, 1.6 pounds of water, which you clearly do during your runs. Way more. Crush that. Way, Crush way that number. More. You've lost that in 800. 10x. Okay. So, which is, <laughs> makes your heart rate even more fascinating uh, and impressive. You end up Thank having you. an increase of approximately, the studies show an average of a 3.26 
beat per minute increase for every percent body mass uh, lost. So if you're if you're running and you end up losing three percent of your of your body weight in water, which you do during a long run, your heart rate is gonna most people's heart rate will trend upwards of 10 beats per minute faster. So hmm. that, that cardiac drift and something because what's happening there is you're losing blood volume. And so there's a low, a lowering of blood pressure. So the heart has to work harder to send blood out and to get blood back to fill the, the ventricle to again, push it out. So there's just less in the cycle. So staying hydrated, it helps keep your blood volume up. Hmm. So your heart can, can work at, it's sustainable rate that it's used to doing it's near, so by being dehydrated you are literally making your heart work harder and depriving yourself of the ability to work at a higher capacity and like i guess like uh, an image that's coming into my mind is kind of like motor oil or like sludge right again not a car guy <laughs> going car, car analogies twice now not a car guy but like the 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 viscosity of the blood volume when it's hydra- hydrated would just be easier to flow through throughout correct and if it's if it's uh thicker it's going to be harder for it to move and and the blood and the heart is going to have to beat harder and faster to to move it through essentially is what that's saying so with a study like that in particular i mean that's a really good way to point to hydration as an exact like performance indicator right like if your heart is is working harder uh, to pump, pump blood, um, the less hard it would have to work, the probably the better you perform. So that, that right there is a reason to, um, keep that, uh, hydration coming in. Did the study then go into that? Was it like, okay, if you're losing this much and if you replace it, does it, is, does it become, does it mitigate the losses or are you just kind of screwed if you're, if you're sweating like that? Well, you can certainly mitigate it with your intake. And again, like the more you have the ability to take in, it, it takes experimentation, how much how much salt and carbohydrates and water can you take in before you start to have issues. Ultimately, the higher you can go and kind of borderline that threshold, the better off you're going to be. Because uh, yeah, it's all about mitigating. You're not going to, once you start moving at a certain rate, you're not going to stay ahead of it. I mean, if you're doing like an ultra marathon, you're moving very slow and the temperature's right, you'll probably be all right. But uh, in some events where it's just so hot, you're, you're not going to be ahead of it. You're just going to be trying to keep from falling behind as much as you can. And that, that'll take experimentation to see how much you can actually take. Cause, uh, cause yeah, when it comes to, to the numbers that they have going out there, it's like, okay, here's, here's what the performance, uh, d- is, is going to look like as you start to lose water. So just start taking it in when you, when you start moving, definitely prehydrate, um, you know, in days leading up to an event, ultimately, I mean, it's hot out there. Everyone should be taking in quality foods, rich in mineral and drinking plenty of water. Uh, you know, three, four plus liters, you know, three, three for women or more, if they're exercising four liters for men or more, if they're exercising, which I think most of us are. So don't, don't be shy about it. Just, and just take note of how you feel, not only in, in your runs, uh, and in your exercise, but in like your cognitive function, are you tired? Is your brain foggy? Those are also going to be indicators of, uh, of your hydration and electrolyte status. Do you, do you track how much you're drinking per day? Um, because that is, that's another number that's just kind of like, uh, very, there's no hard prescription for it. Um, I typically say, yeah, you were saying three or four liters, um, usually safe bet is like a hundred ounces. Like if someone can get that to me, it seems like that would be adequate. I've heard like on the higher end, on like a higher end is like an ounce per pound of body weight, which is a lot, you know, like, a, I mean, a hundred ounces, if you try that and you track that, like that will be a lot 
once you really like try that and, and, and are tracking it. Yeah. That takes work. That's, that's well over a gallon. Yeah. Do you, do you track or what do you do? Uh, I roughly track pretty much my rule of thumb is, as I got this, you can see on the screen, I got this yep. handy dandy bottle. This is a two liter bottle and I fill this every morning with, uh, with, uh, amino acids and creatine. I just trickle that in throughout the day and it's flavored. Uh, and that kind of helps me also drink stuff. So I'm taking an electrolyte and water through the day. So that's my two liters right there. That's like hands down, that's going in. That's typically done by noon though. And like that on top of the VA, on top of uh, like coffee or tea, uh, on top of another bottle, whatever else I'm drinking. Uh, I'm, I'm hitting a gallon pretty much at minimum. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way to do it if you do have just a big vessel. Um, another thing you I see- You gotta make it convenient. Yeah, you, get you gotta make it convenient. You can do. I've seen some smart water bottles that are like connected to an app and it will tell you how much you're drinking based off of like the, the flow of it. I don't know how it works, but it, it's like connecting. You can have like challenges with your friends. They're like, let's see, you can drink oh my water. God. You um, should do that, but fill it with milk, right? Isn't there like that whole milk gallon challenge? Dude, you ever done the gallon challenge? No, I think I could do it. I could pound chocolate milk. So I'll just like, right. I, we did <laughs> have my gallon of milk with some chocolate. <laughs> that would just be extra. That'd be, that'd be tough. We did the gallon challenge when we were like 21 or 22. I got I got the closest. I, we tried to take it down in an hour. We didn't do whole milk. We did one or two percent. I got like that much left. I had like <laughs> ten minutes left to go, and I was like, I gotta go for this thing, and just it all all ended up on the on the grass. So it's hard. <laughs> I challenge you. I challenge you to do a gallon challenge. See how that goes. I will. I will do. I will do whole milk. And, whole milk. And chocolate. I'm already. I'm already picturing. Have, have you seen Anchorman? Yeah. That one, yeah. Right. On that movie, dude. Yeah, he's just Ron Burgundy. He's like, it's so hot. It was a bad choice. <laughs> not, not ideal for hydration purposes. Good protein source, fast protein source as well. It'll get in there, carbohydrate too. That's why chocolate milk is supposed to be a good, that's what like the literature came out, like chocolate milk is a good um, post-recovery drink because it does have protein that will assimilate really, really quickly. Uh, and also some carbohydrates in there with the chocolate. It'll help w- refuel you. And that shit tastes so good after a race if you ever finished a race and they handed you like a cold chocolate milk oh my god it's the best i'll grab like three i'm like whoop i have not done a race that's cool that a race handed that out i haven't done a a race that handed out chocolate milk so i guess i'm doing the wrong races but at the end of like all my hard my hard efforts dude i'm pounding chocolate milk at the end of this fkt literally went to the car within like two minutes of being done walked around a little bit grabbed a half gallon and that half gallon was done in like 20 minutes (laughs) um so yeah, that that's a good little recovery trick um, for you, but that kind of go leans into more the the nutrition part of things, less than the hydration. I guess it, it'll hydrate you as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of where I, I put a recommendation for the water amounts. I I, I just kind of do blank. Like you can get a hundred ounces, that's probably okay. Um, I've even seen that people think that that's kind of overkill, like just uh, like the prehydration and everything and like needing your pee to look clear. Like I've heard, I've, I've seen arguments that like that almost might not be necessary uh, on that end as well. And like, there's like an obsession with getting water in all the time. Um, but like I said, just seeing how you feel on all the levels, like physically, um, cognitively, and just see, like learning where that threshold is for you. And also not needing to pee like at night. I like, do you, do you stop drinking water at a point? Yeah, it depends. I mean, if I, if I feel like I got an absolutely plenty of water and my thirst is satiated come nighttime, then I won't drink a lot, but I typically drink right into the night and I'll, I, most nights I'll get up once 
to go to the bathroom. And I don't mind it because typically I fall back asleep deeper. Mm. So yeah. cool with me. What about I, you? Yeah, I've stopped because it would disrupt my sleep. If I would get up and then I would be up. So I would uh I've I've stopped drinking water like in heavily like I'll drink with like drink water with like dinner or something if we eat at like you know six thirty or seven or whatever. But after that I really don't take in because I want to sleep through the night. Mm-hmm. And I feel okay the next day. I start my day with um like twenty four ounces and with some um sea salt, a little bit of lemon in there. Nice. Co- I was little, just going to ask mm-hmm, a little cocktail in the morning that helps, you know, get the hydration flowing in the right direction. gives you a little head, head start on the day and it wakes you up. Like if you have a tough time waking up in the morning, if you chug water right away, it makes you feel so much better. Like you are up. Um, once you get that in you, do you do something similar? Yeah. Amen, man. Actually, uh, what I'll do once in a while with this jug I have here with the uh, aminos and creatine is I'll put lemon juice in that. And I'll like, I'll fill it to the brim and I'll start the day off with a huge chug. I'll probably go through like a quarter or a third of the bottle just right from the get <laughs> just smash dude yeah, the BCAs similar to you. yeah taste tastes great the um you mentioned creatine a couple times now and you brought it with you on your actual um uh your fkt uh, attempt successful attempt the and creatine is something that is is more commonly spoken about in the uh, strength and performance world, hypertrophy, people like gym rats. Um, it's been studied widely when it comes to hypertrophy, but and, and it's just kind of starting to trickle into the endurance world. And what most people would think of creatine is that, oh, they'll get, they'll blow up, they'll get bulky. It, it pulls water into the muscle uh, is, is generally what people would, would think. It's like, oh, it's all water rate, water weight is what you hear when people talk about creatine. So tell, tell me a little bit about why you're taking creatine um, with the hydration piece and with the actual exercise itself. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking me. That's uh, so my thought around creatine is I, I stepped away from creatine for a long time because I took it when I was like kind of bodybuilding and weightlifting a lot. And then I got away from it pretty much for that reason. I just felt, Oh, I'm not lifting weights. So there's no purpose. Uh, and as time goes by, I mean, gosh, creatine is one of the most studied supplements out there it's for so long. And it's showing to be a little more effective in other ways. One, so a couple of those cool ways are one, it's showing more promise uh, as like a nootropic as, as supporting cognitive function, which as I said before, like with the aminos and one of my thoughts behind that is if I can improve my cognitive function during an event, uh, then that's going to improve my performance. My reaction time is going to be better. I'm going to make smarter decisions as I'm choosing lines through the rocks, as I'm uh, approaching obstacles, if you will. And the other thing behind creatine is that the we, we've discussed before. You know, there's different there's different energy systems that our body can go through. We have creatine phosphate. You know, we have uh, uh, we have um, you know glycogen and fatty acids and different ways that we can pre- create energy to move our body. The creatine phosphate system is very short-lived. It's typically only uh, lasts in a, a muscular effort up to, I think, 10 seconds is the consensus. So my theory behind that is if I take it and I'm out on a long run, I'm, for the most part, moving throughout this this five-hour effort, this four-and-a-half-hour effort, uh, moving at, at an effort where I'm engaging a certain amount of fast-twitch muscle fibers. And say I'm not engaging certain muscles. I'm not engaging certain muscle fibers. Maybe more fast twitch ones that will fatigue super duper quickly. Mm-hmm. So my theory behind it is that maybe I'm going to come up to a point where I need to like quickly get up a boulder or down a boulder, do a quick scramble, do a quick hop off the leg where I'm going to engage a lot more muscle fibers, but for a very brief amount of time. And then I'm not going to use them again. So they're going to have ample time to 
replenish their energy stores. Cause again, I'm running at an effort where I'm not sprinting. It's not, I'm not 100% muscle fiber engaged. I have some muscle fibers engaged. And so, yeah, again, the theory is just that the, the creatine is giving me a little extra boost for very short, quick power outputs where I maybe need to, uh, gather energy from other muscle groups. That's, that's my theory on it. It makes sense to me because that is something, yeah, the energy system that you're using, if you're aerobic for the most part in this, uh, five hour run, right? Like you're mostly going to be aerobic and, and I'm sure as it comes up and down, you might, you may dip into some other, um, systems, but yeah, that, that creatine phosphate system, which is so fast. It'd be like, if you were to pick up a rock and throw it or something like a big, heavy rock, that's what would move it out of the way. So it, it to me, it, it makes sense to have that. And, and creatine also is you kind of dose it, right? Like when you take doses of creatine, it's like a saturation, right? Like you become, you get to a point and then it kind of levels out, right? Is that kind of how that works? Well, I think with a lot of things, if your body has more than it needs of anything, it just excretes it. Yeah. yeah. Right. But like, yeah, you will, you will reach a point where you're kind of topped off. So you need to like consistently, uh, take, take that in. Yeah. And you, can get some, you can get some from, uh, like red meat and fish. Uh, there's a good amount of creatine in those. I actually, I think there's, yeah, there's a, there's a solid amount in fish as well. Um, but yeah, just kind of topping it off. Like I, I'm only taking five grams uh, a day. Yeah. It's just a little extra. I'm not, I'm not, uh, yes. Like super saturating myself. Like some, some brands you might get and I'll have a label and it says take 20 grams for the first two for weeks. First week. Yeah. 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 Saturation period. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. That's probably a good way just to get people to feel something right off the jump. Ah, yeah. It's more, right. probably more marketing. Like, cause if you take five every day, eventually you will get to that saturation point. But if it's like, all right, take 20 this first week and a half. And then, you, you know, maybe you see some body composition changes in that short phase. phase and like, Oh my God. This shit coffee. Yeah. The, one, one thing that I found really interesting with the, with creatine in a uh, different sense is I was helping, uh, I was coaching a guy to put on muscle and he's vegan. Um, so, you know, we, we had all this and he's like a vegan who is very set on, on like making it all work in those ways. And, and, there's no way around it that if you're eating actually strict plant-based, it's hard to get in protein and keep all your other macronutrients in line without like going over the top in one of them. Um, because the, the plant-based sources of protein end up being, you know, like, uh, uh, quinoa or, or something of, of that nature where it, there's sure there's protein, but it's mostly carbohydrates or people want to eat peanut butter and be like, Oh, this is protein. It's like, it's mostly fats. Um, so to get like that protein number where it needs to be appropriate with everything else, put them in line to actually gain muscle and not fat is hard. And he kind of reached a plateau. And then we, we, we found a plant-based creatine for him to eat and he blew up and he got real strong and got yoked. Yeah. Like numbers were pretty consistent all the way across. And, but like you said, because it comes in uh, plant uh, animal sources, typically in our diet, so if you're low on protein or if you're a vegetarian or, or uh vegan, like th- there is a space for that um, practically for, do, do you see anything with your body composition? Because, you know, runners don't want to get bulky. So they want to, and, and being lean, right. Being a little bit less. And, and this would definitely be a hang up that I would have. It's like, okay, do I really want to carry this extra whatever around? Even if I feel like it's beneficial, like mentally, I, I would have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Do you feel like that your body composition does change when you're on or off creatine? 
I personally have not noticed a change in my, my body composition. Uh, visually, I haven't, I haven't had a scale in a long time, so I don't really know where my weight's at, which I kind of like. Um, it'd be cool to see you know, how things have changed with hydration, like go on a run, come back, see how my weight's changed. Um, but I, I don't know where, where my weight's at. But yeah, visually, I haven't felt much bigger. I don't, feel, uh, I don't feel bulkier with my steps as I'm running. I don't feel like I've put on weight. But that, that actually brings up a cool point because it's what you eat absolutely plays a role in your body composition and your your performance but ultimately your training is is kind of like the master stimulus so if i was doing like hypertrophy work i'd probably be putting on a lot of bulk but yeah if i, I haven't changed up my training at all i'm keeping it like in the endurance or the power range and out of that hypertrophy middle zone and, and that kind of goes along the lines with what we mentioned before with the the glucose coming in with water weight. And if you add creatine on top of that, it's just going to shuttle more water in, into the muscle. I don't know. Yo, so sorry. That's, that's really interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought about this before. Um, but the creatine, if it made me retain water, that might've played a beneficial role in hydration. Totally. I had more water available for my system. Yeah, and, and and pushed it into the muscle and like helped helped it store. I'm I'm not exactly sure the mechanics of that. So, um, but just like speaking off the cuff, it seems like that would make sense. And it doesn't. And there's no harm in it. Like it, it is the most studied supplement that exists, and it for the most part works. Like it just it just does. Like and the, and the studies will show. It and there's really no negative in taking it. Um, but it just hasn't really crept in into um mainstream endurance yet. They might have, they, they would probably have to do that. Like I could see somebody like, like a company like Enduralite or somebody doing that and like kind of putting it in um, and like kind of changing the name, like using a, a different name for things and like mixing it in with all this proprietary blend that they put with, um, cause they use a lot of like the uh, adaptogen type type stuff. They have some different mushroom type mixes and there's a lot of words on there that are supposed to be beneficial, but I could see them kind of sprinkling in some creatine, seeing if that works. Um, I think that, that it hasn't made its way into endurance yet, but it could, I, I could imagine. And I think it would play ever more of a role in, uh, in probably obstacle course racing because mm-hmm. very quick power bursts over a lot of these things. So just having that little bit of extra to help fuel those like fast switch muscle fibers as you, uh, as you leap over a wall or try to pull the hercoist, you know, down over the course of 10, 15 seconds, uh, something of that nature. And then, uh, and then, yeah, my theory was being in the mountains. I mean, there's moments where I'm running and then I'm hiking and I'm doing like a quick, like to carry my, my momentum. I'll do a quick step up, like a giant leap up a giant rock. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, you're, you're asking muscles to hop in every so once in a while mm-hmm. to do a high effort, but very short lived. It wouldn't hurt. You know, it probably, it probably wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And, and it's kind of the same thing as like the BCAs. Like I always kind of come back to the the competing, you know, assimilation through the gut to get into uh, the the system. Um, creatine is also a very fine powder. It's super fine. It, it's like super the same, fine, dude. Yeah, I got like, the pure stuff from Germans, and I trust the Germans. Mm-hmm. It's very fine. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, I think it would be something that would that would probably make its way through like through like your mouth into like your, your blood system. It might not even have to go directly through the gut, you know, like it might just exist and it's, and it's cheap as shit. It's so cheap. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so prevalent. Uh, Yeah. It's been around so long. Thankfully that'll probably happen with so many other supplements. Like the longer they spend in the market, the more saturated the market becomes with these things. They'll, they'll become more available to all of us financially. Like the branch chains, they're not that cheap, right? 
They they've definitely gotten better, I think. And you know, I'm also starting to see that with like uh, ketone esters, keto supplements uh-huh. that they're starting to get a lot uh, uh, more affordable because there's just so many other companies competing now. And that's probably like the the the, the ketogenic um, trend is probably also why the branch chain amino acids are coming down as well because it is a good tool for mm. for that for yeah. sure. Indubitably. So what? Uh, anything else you want to add on the uh, hydration aspect? I mean, it's getting warm. It's going to be close to 90 here today. Oh, good grief. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd say everyone listen, just, uh, just be ahead of it. If you have difficulty drinking water, you know, flavor things up while, you know, like Rich said, maybe put a little lemon in it, maybe a little salt. See if you like that. Uh, try different things out. I'd say stay away from uh, food dyes. Like I know some people I've tried it out. Mio. Yeah. Um, shit is gross. It tastes good, but <laughs> it's really not good for your gut. Um, no. So be careful with food dyes and, uh, and if you don't like the way water tastes, uh, grow up. Right. <laughs> be an adult. Drink water. <laughs> be an adult. Yeah. Yeah. And stay ahead of it, man. Stay, stay hydrated. Uh, especially like, uh, women, uh, menstruating, you're going to need even more electrolytes and, yeah. uh, and water. So, uh, so yeah, don't neglect. Get a yep. giant jug. That makes things easy. Get a giant jug. Yeah. A yeah. nice jug. Though. Be pay free. Don't get a gallon of water that like you can taste the plastic in. Mm-hmm. Totally. And that's a, that, like having that marker is good. Oh, the one other thing I was going to say before I talk about the smart water bottles, if you have a water bottle, you can like, and you know, it's, and you want to drink it five times throughout the day, you can put like, like a rubber band on it or like five rubber bands or just like move the rubber band to different markers or just have some sort of marker there to look oh, dude, at. That's brilliant. That's such yeah. a good idea. Just so you can have a, a, a kind of like a, a, a running count how much water you're drinking i've heard that so many times oh i think i drank like three or four of these today i don't know three or four that's a good way to to figure that out i definitely do that i drink that big one in the morning and then i'm like "Ah, i'm I'm probably all right (laughs) and then maybe i drink then i drink like half of them during throughout the day Mm -hmm. um and just kind of refill it so i don't don't really know but i feel fine um cool so stay hydrated um so congrats on the fkt dude to bring (laughs) it all the way back that's really cool i know that was something you've been looking forward to what are you going to do now I, well, I'm taking this week pretty easy. Uh, luckily, my active recovery has been, uh, I used to work with an arborist for several years, which was uh, also really good training, you know, but I'm going to uh, be working with them actually later part of this day. I did some yesterday. So it's just some nice active recovery or some nice organic movement, non-running. My, my legs are freaking sore. Just the quads. It's all the pounding, Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> this morning I was just like walking on the treadmill here. Uh, it's nice and easy just trying to get things moving, but up next, man, I think I'm going to, I'm going to probably have a go at like a couple Appalachian trail segments. Sweet. Yeah. It's kind of work up in distance. Cause, uh, as we get closer, I'm getting, it's more and more appetizing looking at ultra world championships for Spartan. So we'll see if that, if that happens either way. I mean, I, I'll be ready for it. You got to do it, man. Good. Do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and when things calm down by you definitely got to come up here i think i'm gonna have a sweet little uh sweet little gathering up here on the farm maybe like make a little obstacle course up here sweet yeah let me know mom amy was thought amy and her like one of her best friends are going to the cat skills for their bachelorette party and i was like yo i'm gonna come with that is a great idea i'm gonna come hang um well cool man good i'm glad that you're, you're taking it taking it easy enjoying it enjoying that time um yeah i'm just trying to fucking survive (laughs) i'm just <laughs> luckily you run fast so if people come at you you can just like pick up your girl and run away just be out the uh yeah like the past couple of days i've been out for runs or i've just like dragged my feet yesterday i got out in the morning and i was fine but like the days before and it's gonna happen today too because i slept in because it's just easier in bed right now i just it's just better there um so like when 
I start running like these, like these protests start popping up and it's like, ah, shit. I got, like, and for the most part yesterday, they were really peaceful. There really wasn't any, any uh, negative um, things that popped up and on social media or in the press or anything. So I think things are going to kind of die down a little bit. Um, there's still going to be protests throughout the week and weekend. Um, but we've been on a, a curfew. Um, Whoa. Yeah. There's 6 PM curfew. So they make it like a, a fucking alert comes to our phone and everything. It's like, bah, bah, stay inside. It's like, Oh my God. Um, so that's been doing that. So training has been like what I can get in a lot of stairs. Got, I still got my stair, my scary stairwell. I'm going up and down. So I'll probably do that today. Carry the back up it. Go to the stadium series. Just mash the stadium series. If it ever comes back, dude, I, Murph last week, it was we talked after uh yeah i did murph on whatever and it ruined my week it like you, you know you say it and you're like oh if you're gonna do it you know it's it'll probably screw up your training it literally did and i was like and i i, I forgot that that's why i felt so bad a couple times and i'm like what's wrong with me oh like like tuesday wednesday thursday i was just like so like depressed about how bad I felt. And I forgot it was because I did Murph. And then Friday it came around. I felt better. I was like, Oh, okay, good, good. Like I thought was I your legs or was your whole body in the shitter, whole body. Like, and it was like physical pain. Like, you know, th- I was definitely sore on my quads. My feet hurt really bad. And it's just like, everything's like, Oh my God, it's just a smut, like my, my normal now, but feeling physically pretty good. But uh training has been weird. Um, so yeah, we're just dude for the Murph last night these clouds rolled in and then we got a tornado warning on top of everything. And we, we grabbed baby Carl and ran down to the basement. (laughs) Like, all right, if, if there was to be a tornado to land, it would be now it would be this week. Like I can't rule out anything. All this stuff is unforeseen. (laughs) There might as well be a tornado. Like let's go to the basement just to make sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So just getting through it, dude. Um, Well, cool. Well, Excellent talk. Make sure we're staying hydrated. Um, perfect timing for it being being warm out. So where can we find you on the socials? Uh, I'm at the Joshua Reed on the Instagram and mm-hmm. Mr. Rich. Yeah, you can follow me, reinforced underscore running underscore rich. Oh, I did that Spartan um, virtual challenge too on, on Saturday or Sunday. What was that all about? They just wanted to pump it up. They're like, mm-hmm. they wanted it to be like the biggest virtual race um, so they're like telling us like, Hey, if you do this, like make posts, we'll, we'll give you like a free race or something like that, or a free race upgrade. If you do the race and make a post, you send it in. Um, so I did it. And then the, then like everything happened on Saturday in town here. And then I was like, I'm not making a post about this stupid virtual race. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like I just, it, it, it is not important. Um, I hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a 10 K and then literally 26 body weight exercises, 10 reps each. So I just, I had to, I wrote out, I wrote it out on like a big piece of paper and had to bring it with me. It was all right. 10 Ks are fucking hard, but then the workout <laughs> itself was not that bad. Was it actually like a competition? Like there were times? Yeah, but you know how, I mean, from the Unbreakable Challenge, you know how terrible their lead, their leaderboard stuff is. So, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not reliable. Like the reps, referees and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like, okay. Like, like I ran like five twenty somethings for five for the 10 K and like, you know, did the, and it had me in like 200th place on the thing. And, I, and I'm, and I, I can't imagine, I mean, I don't want to 
pat myself on the back here, but I can't imagine there's that many people running that fast for 10 K and then doing those exercises in the Spartan world. Um, so who knows? Two we're going to come back. We're gonna come back and there's going to be so many new animals. Everyone's going to be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty intense. That'd be great. Um, feel to new depths. Well, sweet dude. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We got through it and we'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it, Rich. Appreciate everybody.